All right. This is Craig F. And good morning. And welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Craig F. I'm and I'm the moderator and a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is uh, July 8th and 2019. Today we're reading from the big book and we're on the page uh, 38, the second paragraph, second full paragraph that starts, you may think our illustration, and we're going to read one paragraph. Um, Uh, today we're uh, okay. I, I read that part. Today's readers are um, Melissa C, uh, Jason K, and Cindy D for the text. Uh, uh, the steps and Nancy T and the traditions uh, are Carmela G. Um, the reference number for yesterday, uh, the special edition is one three one two three thirteen thousand one hundred and and 2033. The OA Preamble, Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to try to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states that each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At A Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence in the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I'm going to now ask uh, Nancy T. to read the steps, please. Thank you, Craig. Good morning, everybody. Nancy T., Recovered Compulsive Reader from Lewiston, Idaho. The 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you, and with that, I'll pass. Thank you. I'll now ask Carmela G. to read the 12 Traditions. Thank you, Craig. This is Carmela G. 
from New York, The Twelve Traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. Our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Each group except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully supporting declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name would never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. And I pass. Thank you. Um, Okay, how our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We're sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass and press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speaker should be muted. Today we resume our study of the big book On page 38, the second full paragraph that begins, you may think our illustration. I'm now going to ask Melissa C. to begin reading. Melissa? Hi. Good morning, Craig. Thank you. You may think our illustration is too ridiculous, but is it? We who have been through the ringer have to admit if we substituted alcoholism for jaywalking, 
the illustration would fit us exactly. However intelligent we may have been in other respects, where alcohol has been involved, we have been strangely insane. It's strong language, but isn't it true? And um, I'm going to just set my timer. Melissa C., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in New York. And, um, yeah, so when you first look at this, or when I first looked at it, um, it sounds ridiculous. Like, you're going to compare me to a jaywalker, you know, um, and um, what makes me um, able to see that this is not ridiculous um, is the ringer. You know, like it says, if you've been through the ringer, um, you won't really see this so ridiculous anymore. And, you know, so like if you look up right the ringer, it's, you know, you're pressed between rollers, something that causes pain, hardship, exertion, severe trial or ordeal. And, um, yeah, this really describes what it was like living um, in the grip of the food that um, – as a compulsive overeater, you know, I had a lot of pain and hardships and severe ordeals, and um, and and those were all really necessary experiences because it allows me to fully accept that the illustration of this jaywalker is really not ridiculous. And you know, um, I think my struggle with seeing how unlike the jaywalker was. Um, still focused on the food. You know, nowhere in this paragraph or in these paragraphs about the jaywalker is it blaming his walking problems on how much traffic there is in in this country, you know, in the city he's living. And nowhere is it on, you know, how the sidewalks are too narrow for him. And yet, um, you know, or is he, you know, really um, romanticizing the vehicles that he's jumping in front of? And yet... That's what I did with food. I blamed everything else um, for the way that I was eating, except the fact that I have the disease. So it's not my circumstances. You know, um, they might contribute, but it, it's me. I'm the thing um, that left to my own devices, I'm going to self, you know, destruct. And I can be intelligent in many other areas. And yet I am unable to apply my intelligence and sound reasoning where food is concerned. Um, You know, the jaywalker, he can't control his desire. He can't help himself. Like the thrill of the behavior is too appealing for him to stop. He can't, in that moment, jumping in front of those vehicles, he cannot um, attend to what the, the consequences are. And... That's my problem, too, that in the moment I am unable to remember with sufficient force what the consequences are. You know, I'm smart. I know better. I know certain foods were deadly for me. But just like him, I simply could not resist. And um, thank you. With that, I'll pass. Thank you, Melissa. Okay. Um, Now we're going to open up the floor for uh, Sharon, who else would like to share on this? Nancy. Let's go back to that first group of uh, people that that shared. And by the way, if you shared in the last two days, which means last Thursday or Friday, ask you to kind of hold back and and give the people that haven't shared a chance to a chance to do so. 
So who was in that Nancy. first little? Nancy. Nancy? All right, Nancy. Lisa thank B. You. Okay, Lisa, got you. This is Larry King. Okay, I got you. Crystal Who? Who? Crystal O from Ohio. Uh, wait a minute, Ohio. There was a Crystal. Is it Crystal P? Yep. All right, Crystal. And then who was that from Ohio? Mary Lou. Mary Lou. Okay. That's five. I'm going to get one more. All right, well, let's go with that. Uh, we have Nancy T., Lisa B., Larry K., uh, Crystal, and Mary Lou from Ohio. Uh, go ahead, Nancy. Thanks, Craig. Um, Nancy T., recovered compulsive overeater in Lewiston, Idaho. I love the Jay Walker. I do the Jay Walker story. I remember the first time I read it, I thought that's ridiculous or going a little bit too far. But as it says in this paragraph, the illustration fits me exactly. Um, I have been through the ringer. You know, I went from food being my best friend, where I took it everywhere with me, uh, to the point where it turned like a boomerang and all but cut me to ribbons. I mean, chewed me up and spit me out the other side. It just, but yet I am insane where food is concerned. It says here that um, some of us may have been intelligent, however intelligent we may have been in other respects. I've been an officer of the court for 28 years the person responsible for taking a verbatim court record of all court proceedings and other types of proceedings that I've reported. I am an intelligent woman. I can take care of myself. I have a nice career. I make a decent living. But yet the same person is one who at the bottom of a three and a half year relapse turned my outside garbage can on its side because my arms weren't long enough to reach to the bottom to food that I had thrown away because I was going to get back on track, don't you know? And it was safe because it was still in its wrapper. Insane. That's what you call insanity. This is where food took me. And I am so grateful that I don't have to go back to that place again. And I can live in a recovered state today, close to my creator one day at a time. Thank you so much for letting me share. And with that, I'll pass. Okay. Thank you, Nancy. Lisa B., your turn. Good morning. My name is Lisa B. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Greenville, South Carolina. And thank you, Craig, for your service. Um, where it says we have been strangely insane. I was thinking in the doctor's opinion how Bill writes, in this statement he confirms what we who have suffered alcoholic torture must believe that the alcoholic the body of the alcoholic is quite as abnormal as is his mind and that's a must i must believe that and you know that happens for me even in a recovered state and i was thinking about how step two and step ten really is so much of a life-saving experience for me because that strange insanity can still be there for me and you know in step 10 it says to me it tells me that to some extent we have become god conscious and that is my hope that is my solution that it's the spiritual remedy you know is the solution that's what the big book tells me through these 12 steps and and then i was thinking about how and how it works it says but there is one who has all power that one is god may you find him now so just as before when i was 
newly going through this process in step zero and in step one, beginning to grasp at what, you know, more about alcoholism is telling me that my mind is going to continue to take me back to my solution, which is the food. The insanity is going to be there. Just as the same today, you know, as a recovered person, and my hope is in step two and in step ten, believing I am being restored to sanity, and that there is one power who has all power over all of my problems and fears and um, the bondage of self, all of that. And I have to remember that today with that same desperation as I did when I was a newcomer coming in. And I just felt led to share that because sometimes I do get um, full of self and I, I create my problems. So I'm so thrilled to be here and to be recovered and to be in the solution and to be abstinent and to have that spiritual awakening. I pass. Okay, thank you, Lisa. All right, next up we have uh, Larry Kay. Hi, Craig. Good morning. Um, thanks for your morning. service. Appreciate it. The um, yeah, the, you know the the insanity. Um, there's there's so many sort of counterintuitive aspects to this thing because you know we're we're really taught to to look at, you know, to use our intelligence and apply ourselves to a problem. And here was a problem that I couldn't, and I could not for the life of me put down the very weapon that was killing me. And what I needed to do was I needed to be able to give up the fight. That surrender to the steps was the only way for someone like me. I didn't know it, but surrender was the only way for for a person like me to experience this revolutionary change that was going to be necessary uh, to, to become completely free, you know, to be able to cease fighting anything or anybody, because that, that, that's what happened to me. And I, you know, and I haven't had a bite since that time, but I spent five years in program picking up the weapon the weapon was the food. The weapon was, was the self, the ego, picking those things up, trying to apply myself to a problem that I had no power to solve this problem. And um, frankly, you know, I, I think that, you know, that when we hang on to the notion of a white-knuckled abstinence as the norm, as if that's what the spiritual program of action promises and delivers, that's a level of insanity. Because that's not so. For me, um, the white-knuckled sobriety or being dry, that was temporary sobriety. And my definition of sobriety is to live comfortably and peacefully with myself and with others in the midst of the calamity and challenges that come along that we face as human beings. I don't want to be miserably abstinent. I want to be comfortably abstinent. Because in my opinion, compulsive overeating is not caused by food. It's caused by a separation from my higher power. I needed a connection to my higher power. And there's only one reason that I'm not eating now to wrap up, Craig. There's only one reason I'm not eating now. I've tapped into a relationship with God, and the steps allowed me to do that. And now I can live peacefully with myself. I don't have to weaponize myself anymore. And how was that possible? God made that possible. And I make no apologies for relying on my creator. With that, I pass. Thanks. All right. Thank you. All right. Next, we have Crystal. And I didn't get your last initial, Crystal. 
Hi, good morning. This is Crystal P. from Toronto. Can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you fine, Crystal. Thank you. Thank you. Um, the jaywalking story is one of my favorites. Uh, when I first came into program, um, it was I, I'd never had no, I had no experience with twelve step programs, and it surprised me. I was walking I was walking into an Overeaters Anonymous meeting, and it surprised me that we were reading about alcohol, and all the stories in the big book were about alcohol. Um, but the moment I read, I think it, I can't remember which story it was, but I was amazed that um, the moment I substituted the word alcohol for food, the stories fit me exactly, absolutely exactly. It's kind of like how they say here, it, although it seems a bit far-fetched, as soon as we substitute jaywalking for alcoholism, the illustration fits us exactly. And I remember reading the story about, it was a woman and she talked about how she was like a little child in a in a grown woman's body and just how her mind functions um, and the insanity and the obsession and how her life had been devastated and still she keeps going back to the same thing that's causing the devastation. I could relate to all of that. All I had to do was substitute food for alcohol and I was exactly her. And I remember uh, once I was speaking to someone, because I find that um, people in general find it hard, harder, or at least for me, to um, see food as an addiction compared to, say, alcohol or drugs. And uh, I remember somebody, I was telling them that I joined Overeaters Anonymous, and, and they said to me, ooh, like, do they make you call it an addiction? Um, and it was funny, because my response was, actually, we have a stronger word than that, stronger than addiction. We have insanity. We call it an insanity. And I don't see that as a as an insult or as a uh, derogatory term. I see it just as reality because I had completely lost control. That's all I see insanity as is that um, is that voice inside of me that when food says, "Hey, you know what would be a great idea? Why don't we stop here and pick this up?" And even though I don't want to do it, even though I decided with a sane, strong mind I will not do it, I do it anyways, and I know at the core of my being, that when that voice speaks, I have no defense. I'm going to do it no matter what. Um, food calls, and I and I jump. I jump to attention. And uh, the insanity of my mind is that I will always think that food is my solution. I will always think that my will can get me out of a situation when years and years of experience have showed me that food only causes me devastation, that my will only messes things up, and God's will is the only thing that gets me through the day. Uh, so that's my insanity. And I'm so grateful that I have a program and that God restores me to sanity one day at a time. Thanks for letting me share. I pass. All right. Thank you, Crystal. Okay. Mary Lou in Ohio. Hi, I'm Mary Lou Owens. Oh, sorry. Mary Lou O from Ohio. That's why it was hard to hear. Um, I'm... I'm a newbie, relatively, compared to you guys. First, I just want to thank you for being there. I've been listening to Vision since December, and I don't know what I would do without you. So I'm grateful to all of you. I'm grateful to the commenters. I'm grateful to the volunteers. I am grateful to everyone. Second, I want to talk about the first two sentences of this paragraph. You may think our illustration is too ridiculous, but is it? As I speak, there is a sugar-free frozen treat melting in my sink. 
because I realized this morning how much that meant to me and that it meant so much that I had to stop eating it. And I'm just really grateful for you guys that you give me the strength, that the group gives me the strength and that God gives me the strength to be able to give up something like that and to continue on in my abstinence. And I just thank you all. I pass. Well, thank you. Welcome, Mary Lou. Um, all right. Now we're going to open the floor back up for... Irene uh, and, Nancy. Uh, okay. Did you hear Irene? Fran well, M. Fran M. Uh, Nancy H. Oh, yeah. All right. Here's who I have. Nancy P. All right, hold on just a minute. Here's what I have so far. I have Irene, Nancy, Pete, Kelly, and then I, then that's all I got. Fran M. Nancy H. Fran M. Laura M. Hold on. Um, there, are there two Nancys? Is there a Nancy? Yes, Nancy H. Nancy H. And there was a Nancy something else, Nancy P. or something? Fran okay. M. Yeah, Nancy P. Craig. All right, Fran M. All right, I'm going to stop right there. I've got Irene, a Nancy, a Pete, a Kelly, a Nancy H., and a Fran M. And uh, let's go ahead and get started. Um, Go ahead, Irene. Thank you so much. Thank you for your service. I share the sentiment of the previous speaker. So very grateful for this meeting. I am Irene B. from Baton Rouge, a recovering bulimic abstinent by the grace of God for 27 months. And I really didn't think I could relate to this paragraph, and then I realized I totally relate because this seems like uh, very surreal. This cannot be. This person cannot be this crazy. No one can be that crazy. Nobody can see how much damage and danger there is associated with something involuntarily and gladly and consistently continue to engage in something that is so injurious. Well, one of my psychiatrists many years ago spent too many sessions trying to get me to come to the conclusion. He asked, how do you go about making decisions? And I had no idea what he was getting to. But he said that it was important to be able to make decisions based on what is best for you in the long term, not short term. Well, the reason we do this, and for me it's important to understand, is that I want to engage with the food because the food takes care of my problem. If I'm not taking care of my problem, which is a buildup of human emotion, I'm going to go crazy because I can't handle it. And the food takes care of my problem. So when you look at it that way, it's not so crazy. We are trying to desperately get rid of that which is bothering us, which is our emotions. We can't handle emotion. We didn't learn how to handle that properly. We need to relearn And my experience is that I could not relearn on my own that I need this program and this understanding 
and I need my God. I need my higher power to give me what I cannot give myself, to give me the strength and courage and the support and love to be able to give me what I need, what I really need, which is to be connected with him so I can have the power to overcome my difficulties and just thrive and soar. And with that, I'll pass. And thank you, everyone, for your service. God bless you all. And I love the shares, and I love you all. With that, I'll pass. All right. Thank you, Irene. Okay, now we have the first Nancy. And I'm not sure I got the last initial. Is that Nancy T? No, you already shared. I actually think it was Nancy H. Yeah, I have her down later. Uh, are you Nancy H? Or well, go ahead, Nancy H, and and share. Well, all right. Well, since I don't hear Nancy H, I'm going to go ahead and ask Pete B to come on. And we'll get back to you. Nancy H is here. Who's going? Nancy H. Go ahead, Nancy. Okay. This is Nancy H. I'm a grateful recovering compulsive overeater from Massachusetts. Thank you for your service, Craig. Uh, When I first heard this story, in my own sick way, I thought it was kind of amusing. Then as I began to clear up, the thrill, I realized that I have the thrill of drugging myself with food, just like this person uh, liked to jump in front of moving vehicles. And I promised, you know, I kept promising myself to stop, going right back to it a little bit later when life got too difficult. And through my uh, going through, when I thought about the going through the ringer story, it wasn't so ridiculous. Because when that insanity hit, the mental obsession set in, I was insane as this person. And so I shut myself into a treatment center at one time, actually twice, and that didn't work because I came back out and I thought I was all cured. And sure enough, I ran in front of a vehicle again. I ate again three months later. My only, my only solution to this insanity was a spiritual awakening and the ongoing relationship with my higher power and total reliance on my higher power. So this story isn't so crazy after all to me. And now when I think of it, I think, yep, here I go. I'm going in front of a vehicle again. And I try not to, uh, I I know that I'm a a fairly intelligent person in all other areas, but when it comes to this food, I'm crazy as a bed bug. (laughs) So um, I guess that uh, for me, just staying in this recovery and staying close to my higher power is the only solution. And I'm grateful to be able to share that today. Thank you. All right. Thank you, Nancy. Thank you. Okay, Pete B., uh, take us away. Thanks, Craig. Pete B., compulsive overeater, recovered today by God's grace and mercy in Pennsylvania. Thanks for your service, Craig. Thanks for all the service that you do and everyone else that did service on this meeting. And, you know, I, the, I love the Jay Walker story. I said it before. It's the first story. It's the first thing I read in the big book that I actually could relate to because, because for me, you know, I had these mental images in my mind of what an alcoholic and a compulsive overeater looks like, right? And I didn't fit that mental image, right? There was this thing I just just didn't fit it, and and this 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 description, this illustration really helped me understand an aspect of my illness, 
right? Because this book describes this illness as a twofold illness, an allergy of the body and obsession of the mind. And if you don't have both of those, the, 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 both, both com- the components of it, then you, you have, it's either a mental condition or a physical condition, either or, right? The, the compulsive overeater has both. And this illustration is a discussion of the mental component of this disease, the mental illness associated with this, this disease. The, 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 the thought that the, the compulsive overeater has is that someday, the obsession that someday in some way they'll be able to one day control and, and enjoy their eating. And if somebody has a two, the twofold nature, that day will never come, right? So, so this, this, this is this, you know, this guy, this Jay Walker. You have to think to yourself, well, if he has, if he has a twofold disease, he lives on one block in the middle of the, in the middle of nowhere, never left, never crossed the street again, right? That, <laughs> I, I thought that that was funny, but you know, this, so this is this is this is he has a mental obsession. This is dealing with the one aspect, the most important. I think. The more devastating aspect of our condition is that deep down in our minds, we think that some way, somehow, we'll be able to cross the street again safely, right? That's what he's, that's what he's obsessed with. Somehow, some way, he's going to be able to do what he does safely. And for us, for people that have this condition as defined by this textbook, that day sadly will never come. And with that, I'll pass. Okay, Pete, thank you. Next up is uh, Kelly S. Kelly, good morning. Good morning, Craig. It's Kelly S., Recovered Compulsive Overeater and Blamick in Oklahoma. Glad to be on the line. Um, so, yeah, when I came in um, the rooms of OA over 30 years ago and first read the book, um, I was so blocked, you know, and I read this stuff and I'm like, seriously, this is ridiculous. That's so stupid. I'm not like that, right? And, you know, I was so into self, and it took 30 years, unfortunately, decades of me going out there and continuing the insanity, continuing the struggle, and thinking, you know, that this time would be different. And, um, you know, I got to where I said, well, sadly, but actually very gratefully, the last time I read this stuff, I'm like, oh, my God, this is so me. So, you know, of course they say if you don't relate, you know, stick around, you will, but you know, just say yet. But I think, you know, part of it is just being so blocked from the reality of my disease and still wanting to think that the problem was just, if I could just find the right food plan. But the problem, as Pete was sharing for me, is that the greater aspect of my mind is this guy, you know, thinking this time it would be different if I try a little harder. And, you know, in the paragraph we read, you know, um, we have been strangely saying, it talks about all the other areas of our life, and it's like, you know, I got to my highest weight, almost 300 pounds, getting through a, um, a highly competitive medical degree, and, and I did it, right? And I got through rotations. I got, I, I got the heaviest ever accomplishing something that some people can't do, but I could not get this under control. And, you know, I wanted, as another speaker here shared about, to me, it's all about the surrender. You know, it's like I get this abstinence, and I think, okay, that's it, I'm abstinent, right? I've lost 125 pounds three times in these rooms. But my mind somehow convinced me this time would be different. That's the insanity, right? And so I was, uh, you know, reading, I'm reading some of the stories. I love the stories in the back of the book. And uh, one of the the girls I'm reading um, was talking about, you know, basically she got to that point where she was just a living dead. And that's how I felt right before I got this recovery. 
I was just existing. And absence alone was just awful. You know, it was bondage. And she saw what I saw in the, in the meetings or heard on this line was people being abstinent happily, you know, doing this deal with neutrality and learning to stay out of the insanity, not being driven back, you know. And so today I'm just so grateful that I related into this guy and I was willing to put down the food and start working on that greater aspect. And what is that? I had to find a spiritual solution. And I had to do that by working these steps. And so now I am. I am glad I finally relate to this jaywalker. I see my insanity, and with that, being unblocked from the truth, I can now find a real solution. And grateful that you guys brought me back to the big book. I'm able to see it, and I'm able to do the work today. With that, I pass. Thanks, Craig. Okay. Thank you, Kelly. I kind of wanted to get to call time on you, but I guess I didn't. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Not today. All right. Next, we have Fran M. Fran? Hi there. It's Fran M. in New Jersey. And I, too, love this chapter of the guy crossing the street because it so well captures the insanity. And um, we've all been talking about insanity. And I think it's because when you're an intel- when you're a sentient person and you have a brain and you're conscious, you actually watch yourself doing things that you hate to do, that you know will cause you trouble, but in that moment you just forget about it. And I know that it's a little controversial. Um, the book, the AA Big Book, was written for alcohol. It wasn't written for food. And it's a little hard, you know, how do we then apply the allergy? Some people think it's sugar. There used to be a part of OA called Gray Sheet that broke off from OA, and they really think that most people, or at least they, can eat things like bananas or corn or bread or whatever. So we all have a different different definition of the allergy. Um, I came into OA in 1978 with a group of women and men, uh, some of whom eat sugar today and always have and has, have always been abstinent and worked the steps. Many of them are on a phone line. You have to have 20 years of back-to-back abstinence to be in their meeting. I know all of them. They're fabulously abstinent. Uh, some of them eat sugar. Some of them don't. So the allergy, I think, I've figured it out over the years because I used to be a compulsive overeater who couldn't eat a lot of foods, and today I can eat everything. But my allergy takes a different form. It's an insanity. When I control my food in a way that takes me out of life and gives me a physiological high, which I can get, just like the gambler gets it from gambling without eating a single thing, I can do that with food behaviors in a way that takes me out and I act insane. And if that's not true for other people, that is just fine. We're a large fellowship, and we have all sorts of ways that we know work for us. And we are all compulsive eaters. We all have the allergy of the body, the physiology, and the allergy of the mind. I think, though, I've learned to my great surprise in the 40 years I've been in program that there are so many different ways that this allergy takes a form. Uh, The big book is about alcohol, and for alcoholics, it's so much easier. But for us, it's a little more complicated, particularly for people who have anorexia and bulimia in their background and compulsive overeating and binging. 
Anyway, I've heard it said, I've heard people on this line say, if you can keep ice cream in your freezer, you're not a compulsive overeater. Well, I have ice cream in my freezer, and I'm a compulsive overeater. If anyone doubts it, they can call me and listen to my story um, and the stories of many, many other people I've known Fine. over the years. Thanks for letting me share. All right. Thank you, Fran. Okay. floor is going to be opened up again. <clears throat> we have uh, uh, Nancy P. Nancy P. Is that the missing Nancy? Yes. <laughs> okay. Thank you. Julie and Sharon. All right. Julie something. Julie E. Something E. B. Who is that? Who is the E. B. Julie E. B. You got it. Oh, Julie E. B. Okay. So Nancy P, Julie E B, Laura M. Let's take one more for safety if there's somebody. J. J or J? Anita J. Oh, Anita. Good morning, Anita. The other <laughs> doppelganger. All right. <laughs> Thank you. All right. Let's go ahead and go. Nancy P. Hey, Craig. Thanks for letting me share. Um, yeah, Nancy P. from Boston. I feel like I was born in the ringer. Um, I loved um, what Melissa said. Ex- you know, I would have been happy as a clam except for the ringer. Except at the same time, because I'm an addict, I didn't know that I was in the ringer. I was in, I was like those boiling frogs or those frogs that, you know, they don't know that they're boiling to death because they get in successively hotter water and then they kind of adjust. And that's sort of what happened to me for my whole life. Um, I've been in this program since 1971 and I had zero success or I shouldn't say success because it's not about abstinence. I mean, people sort of, you know, they overuse that word and they they pervert it into something that it's not, but I had no um, serenity. I had no um, relief from the bondage of self. Um, And I got, and, and I, say it many different ways. You know, I say often life tapped me on the shoulders many times. You know, if I cracked up a car or I lost a job or I alienated a friend or, you know, I gained a lot of weight or whatever it was, I couldn't keep a relationship with a, with a guy, you know, um, all of those things were things that indicated to me that life was not going even remotely well. And my answer always was either to shrug or to say, um, I've got this, you know, until I was brought to my knees by something that I couldn't control that um, was like a, a tsunami. It was like, it was like a, you know, it was just bigger than I could possibly imagine. And I was completely overtaken by it and washed up on a, on a shore of, of jagged rocks. And finally, 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 I said, I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to do. And um, then I was ready to surrender, which is where it all begins and ends for me. So today I surrender on a daily basis, and I no longer hurt myself with food. And I tell all my sponsees I don't like the word abstinence because people have personified it. They've bastardized it. They've used it in ways that I don't agree with, um, you know. But I no longer, what I say to myself, what I say to everybody is that I no longer hurt myself with food in any way, shape, or form. I know what I, what my limitations are, and I stick to them. And um, I make sure that I do by doing this work to the best of my ability each and every day. And with that, I'll pass. 
Thank you, Nancy. Okay, Julie E.B., your turn. Hi, this is Julie E.B., uh, gratefully recovered today in Colorado. Um, usually I'm a late meeting, just um, really, really um, grateful for the service here, for the story. Grateful to be among other people who are insane. I remember the first time that I walked into the OA rooms. My my sponsor from another program was celebrating uh, 27 years. Uh, she'll celebrate 30 years next month um, in OA of abstinence. And, um, and she invited me, <laughs> how did I know, to, to celebrate with her. And uh, in my insanity, it never occurred to me that this, uh, that she had watched me go up and down, gaining and losing 100 pounds twice um, with restricting, with, with binging. Um, and uh, I was on my way up again and way up. And, um, and you know, she saved my life. Um, and it was, not, it was not even the physical that I heard first. It was the insanity that there are other people that use the food the same way with the same insanity that had been through the ringer, uh, that like me, you know, stealing, threatening my job for um, a very, you know, mostly successful job for a $2, um, $2 bowl of soup uh, because of the resentment that I built up against my employer. Um, you know, I was bed bound. I had six medical specialists. Uh, today I walk a free woman. Um, I'm around food. I'm watching other people you know, in my life that are talking to me about how desperate they feel, if they have any money in their bank account, if they have any, um, any um, when they go back um, to living independently, what are they going to do? They're just going to want to get into the food again. That's, that's the insanity. It's like the ringer is like seeing it coming uh, like that truck for the jaywalker and then going anyway. And for me today, the other insanity begins anytime I say, I got this. I can do it myself. I'll figure it out. I don't need the fellowship. I don't need my higher power. Um, I worked these steps. I read this book with a sponsor, and uh, something beautiful happened. I came to believe that God, my higher power, could love a person like me that just thought I deserved shame and humiliation over and over again. That's what I thought about myself, or that I had to be perfect everywhere, and it left me so, so much in the ringer that I would go back to the food. And so uh, today I live a free woman, um, and I do not eat certain foods, ingredients, and there's certain behaviors that I just um, have let go of, and I live at peace with food. This program exists for those who are still suffering, and if you think you might be one of us, call us today. Um, get on the phone line um, because there is a solution, um, and uh, it has changed not just my food, but my life. So thanks for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you, Julie. Okay, Laura M. Good morning, Craig. Uh, thank you so much for everybody giving service today. This is Laura M. in Missouri, recovering one day at a time. And I absolutely love this paragraph because I believe that this paragraph alone gives explanation and maybe justification uh, for some of why we exist as a fellowship and why this 12-step program of recovery is um, a universal solution to a universal problem. Um, kind of building, I'm going to build a little on what Fran, Fran was saying, 
that, um, you know, for me, I can really identify with the, the bigger aspect of the problem is in my mind, and I have that obsession of the mind that can take me out by compulsively abusing um, a multitude of substances, and by the grace of God, food was the substance that took me over the line that I could not come back from that finally brought me into this 12-step program and into the big book to find that depth of relationship with a higher power that had eluded me since I was a little, little child and started abusing substances and relationships and activities of any kind um, to fill that emptiness. And so, yeah, I can definitely identify with this concept of being insane, um, insanely acting in a way that I know is detrimental for me. And like Nancy was just saying, you know, I love the definition of, um, you know, being abstinent is not using food in a way that's harmful to me. Um, I think that's just beautiful because it is different for all of us. The ingredients are different. The behaviors are different. The food substances are different. And, and that's one of the most difficulties about this program is finding a way, working with a recovered sponsor and with a nutritionist and whoever your team is to identify that for yourself. Because until I was able to identify what that meant to me, what my red light foods are, what my red light behaviors are, I have absolutely no hope of recovering from them until I know the reality of what they are and hit that point of that gift of desperation to be willing to make a change. And it's not even just make a change. It's that I want that change. I no longer use food to abuse myself because I don't want to use food to abuse myself. Um, And I I just love the universality of this program, and, and I believe that this paragraph is where that all starts. Thank you all for um, being here with me this morning. Have a wonderful day. I pass. Okay, thank what you, What page Laura. are we on, please? We're on page 38, uh, the second full paragraph um, that starts with, uh, uh, you may think our illustration. Okay, okay, Anita J., your turn. Thank you, Craig. This is Anita J. in Massachusetts very gratefully recovered. And you'll understand why I'm gratefully recovered because I've been in since 1978 when we only had this big book. And I thought this illustration was ridiculous. I thought it in 78. I thought it in 88. I began to think maybe there was truth in 98, the first time I did the big book step study, true, while eating. And it wasn't until 2014, listening to this phone meeting, that was one of the things that was going on. But the other thing was going on was I finally saw myself. You see the story up until now, people kind of smiled in the beginning. You know, you've got a foolish, got a pretty foolish way about it having fun, doesn't he? And I, oh, I could make a joke out of anything and people would think, 
they would laugh and think whatever they thought, but they began to see it. The world saw it before I did. I was so invested in appearing normal, I couldn't admit it. I just couldn't admit it. And I, I see now why so many reasons I couldn't admit. I didn't trust that God, you're going to tell me that I'm not in control of myself and that this God who allows so many terrible things that, you know, little, little me, what happened and all of that, he's going to take care of me? Well, I mean, I've grown up. Folks, I am so different. Who, who, why do I think nothing bad's going to happen? Or where was that promise? What he promised was he would always be with me. Take a chance, Anita. How do you feel looking like this? The outside is a reflection of your inside. Who are you kidding? And when I finally got so disgusted with my own behavior over and over, never mind a, a, a month or a year, it was every single day I believed my lies until I finally couldn't. And that all came together as I was listening to Vision. So 2013 was the last debauch. I mean, you're 13. Oh, look at that. Still these characters you've got. 2014. That's a miracle. It's a miracle. It never happened before. And I'm so grateful. And uh, I passed. Okay. Thank you, Anita. All right. Do we have... I lost my clock here for a sec. We have time for one more quick share. Um, who would like to take this last uh, minute and a half? Yeah, down more like to a minute. Anybody got a quick burning desire? Beth R. Yeah, hi, this is Beth. So I'd like to share. All right. Go ahead. That first name was it? Something R. Hey, it's Becca R. from Kentucky, recover compulsive overeater. Right. And just All like right. so many of us have shared. Becca, we lost you. Becca? Becca, Becca, Becca. Am I being heard? Yes. Yes, you're being heard, Greg. Becca, we lost you. I don't know if you got hung up or what. Well... I guess uh, we're out of time. Maybe invite Becca to come back and try to share in the second hour. Um, all right. Uh, thank you for everyone who shared today and everybody that read and served. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour study immediately following our closing. The share ID for today's meeting is 13,124. 13,124. That's for today, which is July 8, 2019. All right, we're now going to close with a reading from the big book, page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Uh, well, let's see, who's reading that? Jason K. Well, Jason K., please read A Vision for You. Our book is meant to be suggestive only.
morning, Craig. This is Jason Kay. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and for countless others. This is a great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.